The Million Dollar Sundays are back. AmericasCardsRoom.com, your premier poker site for real money cash, is raising the stakes on April 12th with the Million Dollar Sundays Tournament. You can buy in directly to this $1 million guaranteed tourney for just $540 or win a free seat through our daily free roll. AmericasCardsRoom.com will help you get started with a huge 100% first deposit bonus up to $1,000 when you enter the bonus code CASH. This is the opportunity you've been waiting for. Download and deposit today. AmericasCardsRoom.com Okay, welcome to episode 33 of Ask Alex on the OneOuter.com podcast with me, Barry Chalmers, and Alex Assassinato Fitzgerald. Sponsored by AmericasCardsRoom.com Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash OneOuter. Alex, how are you today? I'm good. You know, I'm still, I'm still here, you know, despite, <laughs> despite some people's best efforts. It's, uh, <laughs> nah, I mean, I've had a rough go of it the last couple of days, so I'm kind of... Uh, Is there anything anything you want to share or? Uh, I mean, let me think of share with the share with the group. Let, let me <laughs> let me think of what's like humorous. Like, well, okay, uh, I did a lecture the other day, and I I sought to solve a problem I thought always uh, would be really good to solve. I thought it would take about four mi- forty minutes. It took two hours. Uh, I the way Card Runners EV is set up. Uh, if you fuck up like one thing out of like 200 equations, it'll fuck the whole thing up. Uh, oh. I did something like that at the beginning. So it's kind of like did, if you ever did an algebraic chain, like in high school, like if you fuck up something on the front end, you'll fuck up the whole thing. And yeah. I did something like that. And then, you know, so the two hours wasn't really a wash. We got to the answer at the end because Rob Tinian when he's also not uh, winning two different Sunday millions, he's sitting there and saving my ass in one of these things. But, yeah, you know, it was tough. And then, you know, like the kids got a little unruly at a, a few times. And I got – I am just a world-class prick when I'm in a bad mood, man. Like, I mean, like you cannot underestimate your prick equity. Like, a lot of people – you know, they're like, man, how do you get so much stuff done? It's like, man, I really am just an asshole. Like, I just, if something doesn't get done, it, like, physically pains me. It's not like I'm a hard worker. It's just, like, it it makes me sick to see, like, money be left on the table. That's one thing I can't stand. Like, I just cannot stand the thought, like, oh, I could have worked eight hours today like every other human being on Earth and made X amount of money, but I worked four hours a day because I'm a bitch, right? Or, you know, if so-and-so had gotten me that file this morning, as opposed to whenever the fuck they felt like it, we would have made X amount of money, right? So it's like uh, when, like, inefficiency just bugs the shit out of me, you know what I mean? It's not like I'm over... It's not, I don't, I really love like coaching people because I don't think I'm that like gifted when it comes to poker. Like I really, this is just my job. It's just, you know what I mean? It's something I've worked very hard at, but I really believe if other people worked as hard at, and yeah, you know, sometimes I get, I just seem to run into quite a few people in a row that are just like, they act like, you know, like the government pays me to sit here and talk about poker. You know what I mean? And they can just talk to me the way you talk to somebody at the DMV. And, you know, in, in, at some point, I got a good fuck-off chambered in me. 
You know what I mean? Like, and then, you know, when I do that, they can say whatever the fuck they want to me. That's totally cool. You know what I mean? Because, you know, it's a, you, oh, it's assassinato, man, whatever, you know? But when, once I do the good, like, hey, you know what, buddy? Fuck you. You know, it's like, oh, my God, did you hear this guy? It's like, I'm not a fucking politician. I gamble. Yeah, you say for, what you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I gamble for a living. And don't underestimate me. I can be a real fucking prick if you push me. All right. And it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, it's like uh, a few too many push people push me too many times on too many different projects. And then it was also like, uh you know, like my friends push me a bit on a few other things, like colleagues. I'm actually, and when I'm getting it on in person, and when I'm getting it online, like I just, I, ooh, hoo -hoo, I am a world class asshole. Like, and then you got me emailing you. I know, man. And then there's fucking Barry Chalmers, man. But, but I mean, honestly, it's kind of cool, like the. It, like the podcast and stuff like that, you can just bitch about it for four minutes and then it's like out of you. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is therapy. Yeah, is it is. It really is. I mean, some people are like, "Yo, you got to pay me three hundred dollars to talk to a therapist." I'm like, "Really? <laughs> really? I want to. I want to talk to a guy who's like, really go into that a little more. You know, really go into that." And then, uh, what was my favorite thing? I, I had a therapist listen to me for sixty minutes, just ask little probing questions. And then at the end said, well, I think you're, uh, I think this is because you did so many drugs as a kid. And I'm like, wonderful. What the fuck is that going to do for me? Like, ser seriously, what, what the fuck is that going to do? Like, what, what do you, what am I supposed to fucking do with that? Hey, 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 honey, it's okay if I'm a world-class asshole tonight. My therapist said it's because my mommy was mean to me or because I did drugs as a kid. Like, what, what application does that have? You know, yeah. but anyway, yeah. I had no intention to get on that rant, but I was just, you know, I'm drinking black okay. coffee, feeling mean. You know what I'm saying? I can, I can bring it out of people. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the nicest dude ever, dude. No, like, yeah. I'm sure you have a, I'm sure every Scott I've met is like the nicest dude ever until you mention the wrong thing in the bar and then holy shit, <laughs> everything. Look, one thing I've learned about you guys is you guys can say whatever the hell you want about your country, but dear God, I cannot contribute. If I can, like, if y'all are sober, it's cool. But like, if I contribute in the bar, like I got to look, I got to duck, like, because it's going to be coming back. You know what I mean? And like, and you guys are more educated about United States affairs than like Americans. So like, chances are the argument's going to be pretty difficult, you know, but yeah. Anyway. Speaking of that, I've been catching up with House of Cards season three got released. I've been watching that. You do you watch House of Cards? You know, I started watching it and then uh, I really enjoyed it, but like, it, I I don't know. I uh, I it, it's weird. Like my my wife, like, you know, she's like got her shows that she likes to watch that I enjoy too, and like I, I'm making some really bad value uh, calls here because like she watches she watches Bates Motel, which is kind of like cliche kind of entertaining. Yeah, I saw that one. I saw that one. I, I never really, I never watched any of it it's, because obviously I've seen Psycho and that, but my brother watched it and said it was okay. It's a, it, that's a adequate word for it. It is okay. It is yeah. interesting enough, but it's interesting enough that like when I'm trying to read, 
and my wife is watching, I'm like, oh shit, I want to, I, I wonder what Romero's about to say, you know what I mean? Or like, oh man, <laughs> you know, these crazy ass teens, man, what are they up to? Right. So I can't like not pay attention to it, but then I end up spending all this time on these shows. And then I'm like, fuck, I don't want to watch more TV by myself. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to go do something else. Right. And then, yeah. And somehow house of cards and boardwalk empire, I didn't finish Boardwalk Empire. I haven't watched House of Cards. And uh, I've missed my yearly watch through the wire again. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to do with myself, man. But, yeah, what, how's, how's going with House of Cards? House of Cards, is, I thought the first season was excellent. The second season was um, good as well, like interesting. And then this third one, is it's been okay, but it's going at a different tangent. I'm up to, like, episode 10, I think. So I think I've maybe got two or three left, and that's it. Um, I think there's only 13 episodes in it. Maybe there's slightly more than that. I've not checked them out in this season, but yeah, it's good. Kevin Space is great. I think Robin Wright's uh, excellent in it, uh, who plays his wife. I think She's, she's a great a, actress. Yeah, she's really, an amazing really good. actress. It's... And in this, it's just, wow, you know, like, really good. But yeah, the, the Boardwalk Empire was excellent. I, I loved that one. I, I finished that. Um, all these shows, like you say, I sometimes watch them and I look and go, right, that one's only three seasons, ten episodes each, right, I can do that. When I see these ones that are like seven, eight, episodes, uh, seven, eight seasons and there's like 24 episodes a season and stuff, I just look and go, shit, like how much time am I going to really exactly, waste man. watching this? And, and not waste because you do need to watch stuff and wind down and stuff, but there comes a limit like where you can watch a film for an hour and a half or two hours and that's you done. It's done. You yeah. know, it's going to, it's going to feel the same thing. But I mean, the, the box sets and stuff are richer. That's one thing that I think modern film, 99% of it now is crap made. And I don't know how it gets made, you know, especially yeah. stuff that goes to cinema. I, I hark back to like nineties early, even early nineties action films like speed, just like, wipe the floor with anything oh, done in the no, last no, 10 years. No you know? doubt. Interesting, innovative, yeah. fun to watch, and now it's just like cliche, cliche. Jason Statham oh, and Jesus some other Christ. shit, yeah. you know? It, so I, I think the one thing that has improved is television and drama, but like you say, I don't know, like some people, like one of my friends is like completely insane. I thought I was bad, and I got a lot of time on my hands sometimes. That, that I can luckily say, right, I'm going to watch this, watch that, and, like, fire through these box sets. But he works, and he's, like, I mean, he's like, he works, like, night shift. And, like, just sits, like what you said when you were a security guard, he sits and just watches box set after box set. Um, but he, like, fires through things like Prison Break. It's, like, 96 episodes or something. I was like, fuck, you know. Yeah. Even the, I know I will, I will watch it eventually, but... I'm like, just the thought of it before it, you're like, holy shit, you know, that's some amount of time that you spend doing that. And it's so uneven, the writing. Like, what was it? My wife turned on The Walking Dead the other day. I am so done with that piece of shit show, right? But she turned it on, and it was like season five, episode 10. And I, at the end of that, went like, I want that fucking 44 minutes of my life, life, life back. That was pure <laughs> fucking filler you can tell like they have episode 13 14 and 15 and 16 done and they have no fucking idea what to do 9 through tw 10 or what it was, yeah. 10 11 and this was just pure fucking filler and it's it blows my mind even like breaking bad this like really this series everybody goes on about has such uneven writing 
And it's like uh-huh. you can tell all the production teams it takes to put all these. I think there's a very rich experience with television when it's done well. Like Boardwalk Empire, the end of season two, that is like uh, that is like the showdown between those two main characters. That yeah. is like one of the most epic moments I've ever seen. And, and it looks like a movie. It looks better than the movies we grew up with, right? And the actors yeah. are like cinema actors. And that moment when uh, uh, Nucky Thompson goes like, I am not looking for forgiveness, like, give, like yeah. sent chills down my spine. And then like season three starts with six episodes of him like all up in a mistress. Like really the guy who's all <laughs> top dog hot shit is all like can't get this basic lesson down you know what i mean and it yeah. and it's just i don't know it's weird to me it's like you can tell they're handing off the writing to different people because it's like whoever created the character for nucky thompson in season one and two i don't think would like that portrayal of him in season three and i think that's why the wire is so beloved it is so even the entire way through the characters do not fluctuate they're just who they are there, a lot of them are just piece-of-shit people trying to do the right thing, are piece-of-shit people trying to make money, and that's all it is. Whereas, you know, you get, you know, like Breaking Bad gets so oversaturated with the shit with Skyler. Everybody is just like, please, Skyler, die by the end. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, please, nobody gives a shit anymore, you know? And it's yeah. like, this is the best. You know, I think, like, eventually... Uh, I, I think like television eventually is going to like do, re- I think is going to do that formula. Like that was the formula I really loved in Breaking Bad, like normal guy to drug kingpin. Because in the movies, it's like two and a half hours and it's always like, you know, 40 minutes from now, you know, you know, he's going to be like cutting <laughs> up the lines of coke and like doing montage of the uh, <laughs> money being counted in the counter. Yeah. But like it was cool to see like average guy to drug kingpin, but I can't wait to see that done a little more evenly. And to be fair to Breaking Bad, like that late last season was incredible. You could yeah. tell they got all their people together and they were like we got to get our shit together, you know what I mean? But yeah, I think it's going to be Well, and the other thing is like when you, every time I like uh my wife used to put on like nip tuck, right? Like years ago. And I do not know why they love it in Latin America, but it was always on TV. Right. And then one day I realized there's not a nip tuck episode I haven't seen. Right. And then I was like, I looked it up that Jesus Christ, that is seven seasons, 16 episodes each. I'm like, I could have learned French by now. I could be speaking French fucking fluently right now if yeah. I spent every hour I spent watching this show I don't even like, you know, as a po- studying a language maybe I don't even like, but I could do. Yeah. Anyway, another rant. That's craziness. Well, just because we started and we, we both got into it. Like, yeah. But if we try and apply it to, like, guys that are sending in questions, people that say, oh, I don't have time to study and this and that, you've got to ask yourself Ooh. a question. If you're, if you're watching... I mean, me and my friend that used to play poker, um, like, heavy, we would always say that, oh, yeah, I don't have the time in that to grind. And then we'd sit and go, wait a minute, I just watched The Sopranos back-to-back again for, like, the 95th time. You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, that's, like, seven series with, like, 13 episodes each or whatever. And I'm like, I can quote it verbatim. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't have the time to sit and, you know, study or whatever. That's when it became clear to me. Like, you got to make sacrifices and decisions and especially these guys that work in and they're part-time all they've got to th- like you say i mean 
you could literally learn a foreign language to conversational level if you spent that time on that, you know, but I don't know. I suppose well, it's no, what you want, isn't that, it? It's easier that, just to stick it on. Yeah, it's much easier. Well, it's one of those things, like, uh, I, I mean, one of my favorite, like, I was going to say meme, which is what they call it in Latin America, memes, internet memes, yeah. was yeah. like uh, Willy Wonka, and it was from Poker Strategy. It's like, you don't have time to study hand histories. Tell me again how much time you spend on Facebook. And it's like, yeah. it's a really good point because a lot of these like poker players I always hear like, oh, the games are good and tougher or like, oh man, I can't break in. It's like, all I see is shit on Facebook or like, the, I don't hang out with like a lot of these grinders, but like if I am at their place, it's like they're just rechecking Facebook again or, oh, this chick liked my post, you know what I mean? She definitely is down. Like, uh, but it, it, it's weird to me because it's like, uh, I don't know, it, it I, a lot of the all the information is out there and it's just up to you to get and there's so many yeah there's so many times you could be studying throughout the day i have a student he's been playing poker for three months he plays better i wasn't in this kid's zip code on year two right and he has a full-time job he has a full-time job but when he comes home he doesn't drink he doesn't I, if he, he tells me he doesn't like to drink obviously <laughs> i'm not at his house and i can't tell right he like, he's like one time a month I go out with my friends and that's it, right? He doesn't like to drink because he's got to be clear-minded in the morning and he studies and at night he plays, right? And he's just, uh, you know, I'm not in this dude's zip code now. And the, the thing is, is like when I started, when I was like a security guard and like I would work as a security guard for eight hours and come home and play poker for 10 hours and then go to bed for six hours, you know, it wasn't like it was easy back then. It was like... There was no information out there. The information we did have was, like, really bad. Like, the big training site back then was NSXT2. Do you even know who that is? No. No, okay, yeah, exactly. Okay, and he was like, actually, it wasn't even that bad of a training site. Back then, it did teach me a lot, right? And it had, like, the first Sheets videos and stuff. But 9 out of 10 guys who were talking about poker, 99 out of 100 guys didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. There was no backing groups that would put you in, like, webinars and would also pay your fees, uh, your tournament entry fees. There was no low-stakes tournament scene. There was none of that shit. The rake was killing you on a lot of these sites. And then, by the way, back then when I was a poker player, I was just, like, toxic. Like, every girl that met me and we'd have a couple dates and it'd be cool and they'd like me as a person. And then, it, you know, they found out what I did for a living. It's like, oh, I can't introduce you to my parents. You know, you're a fucking dirty gambler. When I went to go rent my apartment, it was like, I'm a commercial fisherman. That's an awful job. We can't rent you this place. I'm a professional gambler. That's even worse. I could pay the entire lease right now. Not good enough. It won't work with our credit agency. It was like, it was all this shit. And then, you know... Being not, you know, the hours you had to work were insane to learn anything because the only way you could learn was by playing. That was the only way you could learn. We didn't have Flopzilla. We didn't have Card Runners EV. We didn't have Card Runners. We didn't have any of that shit, you know? And then it was like, instead of being able to study for one hour and learn all this shit, I had to go play for a hundred hours with my own money with a gun to my head to pay all my bills. And, 
you know what I mean? It was like, and then of course no woman understands this. Your friends don't understand it. Then you start making money and everybody's like, oh, you just want to gambling. So, you know, easy come, easy go, you know, hit me with a little of that kid. Now yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, you know, playing poker is a real job. And there's all these tools out there and these, these backing stables that will put you in classes and all this shit. And then still these kids don't do the work. They still don't do the work. You know what I mean? And it, it's like, I don't like hearing, like, oh, the games are tougher, the games are tougher. Bullshit, they're tough for you. You know, what the, by the way, let's, and I hate this message, whether it's, like, politics or school or anything. I hate this, like, the game is rigged against you bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all anybody can go on about. Like, oh, it's so hard in this economy. Oh, it's so hard for these people. The game is rigged against you. Poker is so tough now. Bullshit. You're not ready to put the work in. You know, a lot of people tell me, like, I would kill to have what you have, Alex. It's like, yeah, you would kill because that would take 20 fucking minutes. You wouldn't wake up at, <laughs> you wouldn't wake up at six in the fucking morning like I have to to go over things and work you wouldn't do this podcast you wouldn't like do free hand history training reviews you know what i mean like everybody wants it but they don't want to put the work in what i do is not fucking rocket science it's just a work ethic you know and on that note i drop the mic and this podcast is done <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah well as i've said before that's why i stopped playing professionally because i was like i can't, i knew i would never do it and I I'm, I don't want to say professionally because I think that's an insult to you. You know what I mean? Right. Like no, no, I was I was never as professional. I mean for a living. I was playing for a living. I was eking out a living, grinding one eighty man. That's what I was doing. I wasn't a professional poker player, you know. And it was paying the bills, and I was doing it. But I knew I would never put that work in to get you know to become a moorman and that's or whatever. A, that's it just wasn't really, going to happen. Well, and it, like for you, that would be a pretty stupid idea because you have expertise in something that could. Uh, I mean, yeah, all that area. Yeah, exactly. Know, like, I know guys like I, I can put the work in there, no problem. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? exactly. I and it's like poker. it's what you enjoy. You know uh, what? What Mark Cuban said, and I think you told me this quote: "Quote, follow what your passion is." You know what I mean? Like what? No, follow, he said, "Don't follow your uh, passion. Like follow your effort." There you go. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, totally yeah, butchered so that. Where, quote. Where, where, where you're spending. People say, oh, your passion, you know, like, you can think your passion's becoming a poker player. Like what you've just said, everybody wants to do it, but they don't put it work in. He says, what, to get real results and success is follow, notice where you're actually putting your effort in, you know. So if you're not playing poker and you're sitting around watching box sets all day and everything, maybe you should start trying to become a writer or something and get involved, you know, in something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right, if right if that's what you're interested in, or write reviews on it, or, yeah, start a podcast reviewing... TV shows or something. I don't know, but yeah, follow your effort because that way it won't feel like work. It's what you're going to do. It's when people think, oh yeah, my passion is becoming a poker player and a world champion, you know, because they've watched the World Series a couple of times. And then it comes to it, they say that, they think all the positive thinking in the world, and because they think it's their, oh, I believe I'm going to do this, but they don't actually put the mechanics in and the work, you know what I mean? It's like cause that's it's really true. Yeah, I mean, uh, the training should be hard. The actual playing should not be it should not be as difficult. Like, there's a lot of times people, I I, I don't know, it, like I there was like one time at PCA I got well I, I, like when I got to final 18 in the PCA I got uh, uh what was it. I don't. I think it was strep throat because I had it for like a couple weeks when I got home. But like, uh, I I was like I was doing really bad and I had like a fever and everything. You know what I mean? It wasn't. I think it was the day before we got to the final two tables. And like I got up to the chip lead in that tournament, 
And uh, obviously I did a few things that were like feverish, but then at the end people were like, oh man, you know, you played so... I mean, uh, by the way, just as far as like manners, when a guy just busts on the bubble of a final table, do not fucking come up to me and tell me how you would have played it different, all right? Like, <laughs> just to, as a matter of fucking principle, you know what I mean? And then, you know, I had some Swedish guy going on. Well, you know, and all the other thing about the, I'm not making this up, Barry, like going on about like, oh, I hate the United States. It's like, good, who gives a fuck? Like, see, see who gives a fuck. I don't care, right? And, you know, but if I say something back, I'm a dick. You know what I mean? Because like, oh, big, bad American. But yeah, anyway, I, uh, uh, I had a guy like, you know, a few people came up to me. Oh, man, what about that plane? What about that plane? I'm like, I will prove it to you right here. Put 1K down. I will, pro I will show you an EV calc that shows it's profitable. I will show it to you right now. And, you know, everybody shuts up then because nobody's done yeah. that work. It's all like I'm going to go in there and I'm going to feel it. Yo, I'm going to feel it, man. I'm fu I fucking look cool. I look cool in my Prada <laughs> shades, yo. I showed up and I look, I look at my cards real slow. I look at my cards real slow. You know what I'm saying? Because I get that squeeze because I'm, I'm putting – I'm so aggressive. I'm so aggressive. You can feel it when I'm at the table, man. And when I look at you, you can tell I'm a real poker player. Oh, yeah, I look like a Phil Ivey the way I look through you. So it's all bullshit, man. You want to know where all the money is made? Like when I busted out of that tournament, I didn't give a shit because it was just like I can prove every play I did there. And if you're telling me it's a stupid play, I know you're a worse player than me. Bar none. I can show it. If you, there are a few people that could refute me and they have really good points, you are not one of them, okay? And like it, that was – you know, uh, that was a case like that was a chance of a lifetime. And I don't really feel like I blew it. You know what I mean? There was yeah. uh, the EPT coverage was really stilted and unfair, but they showed like one bluff that I did that like didn't go well. I do that bluff almost every time in that exact same line. I just happen to run into it and I can show you why it's a profitable play. It's really good for several big blinds. But if I hadn't done that work beforehand, you know, for the next month, I'd be like, oh, my God, man, I'm going to kill myself. I can't believe yeah. I did that. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, you know, I could have just kept folding. And then instead of finishing, I don't even remember what it was, 13th or 14th, I would have finished 9th. And, you know, everybody yeah. would have been like, oh, man, you played it real tight, man. You got your money in with the best hand. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. And then, yeah, man, we all just run bad. That's the real thing. We just run bad. We got to put the volume in, yo. That's all it's got to be. It's all self-indulgent bullshit. You know what I mean? Work harder. Yeah. Like, anyway. Yeah. yeah, anyway. Yeah. All right. End of the podcast. I'm dropping the second mic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah without mics, well, you still got your headset on. So, uh, let, let's go for uh, <laughs> let's go for questions um, now. Okay, right. The first question is from Chris Perkins on Twitter. Um, when opening in a tournament, can you give us three to five of the most important questions we should be asking ourselves? Same goes with three betting. Everybody, I want to thank you for listening to my therapy session. Uh, first, <laughs> but now I'm really happy to answer these questions. Uh, opening, okay, first, uh, three, this is an excellent question, by the way, Chris, and thank you for taking advantage of this service and, you know, always being a fan. I really appreciate that. I love guys like you, man, getting that value, man, and always supporting that. It really means a lot to us. The three, to, like, uh, the, let me tell you what I look for when I open, because a lot of people, like, 
in like the hundred R and like with really good players, I have like a range I play from the button, right? A range that I'm like, okay, I can really defend this well, right? But I don't really, I, I adjust. I think I, I actually, I've been working on this a lot more lately because I was really good at blind stealing a few years ago when people were way tighter. And then everybody started flatting me and I kind of backed off in a few spots. I probably shouldn't have. So, uh, just some pointers, uh, the ace-x garbage hands uh, from, like, any position that's not the button now, like ace-nine off on down, uh, are way overvalued now because you're getting flatted so much more from the button. And then when you get flatted so much more from the button now, people have realized, hey, when it's five to one, I should probably call from the big blind. And ace-eight offsuit plays really badly multi-way. You would rather have a four-seven suited before that ace-eight off. So... Think I I just started as an experiment. I started mucking my offsuit aces out of position, uh, just because people flat a lot more. I've stopped opening them from the cutoff and stuff, and my win rate's really gone up. I had to uh, I looked at my position stats, and this was inter- This is a great way to improve your game, by the way. Go to the filters in your uh. Go to, go to the filters in your stat tracking program and go to position and look at what position you're really doing well in. And remember from the blinds, if you folded every single big blind, you'd be negative 100 per 100. And if you folded every single small blind, you'd be negative 50 out of 100. My stats were like negative 31 from the big blind and negative 6 from the small blind, which means I'm saving, uh, what is that, 88% of my small blinds usually, and I'm saving... Uh, 79, per, wait, what, what, hold on, hold on, 69% of my big blinds, I just get to keep with my strategy. Those are excellent numbers. I'm proud of them. I don't see many people that outdo them on stars. But then when I got to the button, I was doing really bad, right? And it was because I was just opening too many damn hands. And so if you're playing with good players, just tighten it up because then they usually like overextend themselves. Uh, if you're playing with like, you know, the fifties on down, you gotta, you gotta start opening a lot more. Uh, one thing I look at is big blind full to steal and small blind full to steal, which I very cleverly put up on my assassinato HUD, uh, which you can check out at assassinatohud.com, And it has really great breakdowns, but you can also, if you want to get my older free HUD, you can write us at assassinatocoachandgmail.com. I'll go ahead and send it to you. It's not as intuitive. We tried to make the most like, uh, like most gritty, uh, intelligent, uh, most like nuanced HUD we could make. That was also really easy to read with the Assassinato HUD. My old head, my old HUD, the old head, the old HUD was more like, uh, you know, it's something I built for myself, and a lot. It wasn't as intuitive, but it still has a lot of these stats. But yeah, looking at full big blind to steal, full big blind to small blind steal is really important. See how people react to position raise, raises and out of position. People have very different reactions. Some people are like, when I'm in position, I can't fold. It's like sacrilegious. Other people are like, holy shit, you raise when you're out of position. You better have a big hand. See what they are. And there's a real easy way to get like how often your bets are going to need to work you know, start memorizing how often a min raise needs to work on the different blind structures, right? And this doesn't take that much. You divide how much you're betting divided by the whole pot if your min raise goes through. So that includes your min raise. And on poker stars, it tends to be between 43 to 46%. 
And if you look at their fold to steal numbers, you just multiply them together. So if the big blind's folding 80% of the time and the small blind's folding 80% of the time, you just multiply them 0.8 times 0.8. Or you can imagine them as fractions if that was what you did. But you should just do a few of them and like get a range, you know, 0.8 times 0.7 is this much, 0.8 times 0.8 is this much. And then, you know, you'll have a general, and if you see if they're both 0.8, that means they're folding 64% of the time and your bet needs to work 44% of the time. That's a 20% margin of error there. It's very unlikely you're not going to be making a profitable raise, right? And then it just becomes a matter of how often can you do this before they're going to notice. If they're playing a lot of tables, I would wager uh, a lot of times they're not going to notice. Even if they have a HUD there, a lot of guys just don't pay attention to it. If they're only playing a few tables, you should be a little more careful. And then, okay, let's say the big blind calls a lot, right? Now, if the big blind calls a lot, you've got to look at his full big blind to steal. I mean, excuse me, fold to continuation bet. If his full to continuation bet is low, then look at the turn. That's when a lot of people get honest. Now, if it's on the turn where the guy gets honest and you don't have the chips to double barrel and you get to that flop and you see bet and the guy calls and you don't have the chips to double barrel on the turn, go ahead and punch yourself really hard because you've completely butchered this hand. And you should have been looking forward to that before you even opened, right? Now, if you do see the guy folds a lot on uh, to uh, a lot of people told me like, oh, you can't open. When I did the original Why Pasegna was right, that was like from my uh, uh, that was from my original. Uh, by the way, we're gonna bring down the price on that. So if you guys want to learn about like opening, go ahead and write me. I'm gonna bring it down to forty nine ninety nine. It was ninety nine uh, ninety nine uh, dollars for a long time. Ninety nine ninety nine. There we go. But uh, I'm gonna bring it down just because you know. Uh, a lot more people are putting this stuff in their uh, training videos and stuff. I still think I did it best because I did all the math myself, and a lot of people are just, you know. Uh, honestly, I hear my phrases verbatim, like verbatim in other people's training videos. I'm like, oh, come on, cite your sources, you know what I mean? Like, it, give me a little, like, be, be fair, Barry. Whenever I quote someone on this show, do I usually tell you who it is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you give yourself an even better reputation if you do that, because then when you say something intelligent and you, you know what I mean? Like people know like, oh, that dude actually came up with it because he would uh, he would have told me if Mike Caro said that. By the way, Tommy yeah. Angelo and Mike Caro have like the highest ROI as far as like good quotes. If you want to sound intelligent to your poker friends, read their stuff. And uh, anyway, but you uh, you look at like if they're folding a lot of people when they saw uh, why Pisegno was right. And it was all about like why I loved his little short stack plays and his little short stack three bets from 15 X and raise folds from like nine X. And uh, it, it was it, a lot of people were like, nobody plays like this anymore. They flat the big blind. I'm like, do they flat the big blind and only continue with a pair? That means they're check folding 60% of the time. And when I've done EV calcs, that shows you're making a higher profit than before. But if you have 9x here and the guy is going to be good at flatting you and he's not going to respect a very small C-bet or you're not willing to make the C-bet, you can't open here. But if you have a, little more, a few more big blinds and he's honest on the flop bet, go ahead and fire. Because a lot of guys, even their folded C-bet goes higher because like, let's say you see their check raise is like decent and they can bluff. They're not going to check raise you if you have like 
17x because, oh, no, you know, I've turned my hand into a bluff and, uh, you know, I'm going to be getting a really good price if they shove on me. And then, uh, okay, so looking at the small blind, looking at their full to steal, look at their three bet. Um, if a lot, of, a lot of guys who don't fold to steals that much from the small blind uh, do a lot of three betting, look at it from that position. Look at the hands they've shown down. If you have no caddy like the Assassinato HUD utilizes, it'll show you the specific hands they've three bet from the small blind, which is really important because some guys like, it'll say like he three bets the small blind 18% of the time. Ooh, that's high. We can four bet like anything. And then you look at the hands, and it's like ace-jack, 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 ace-queen, nines. Eh. Looks like you just got hit over the deck. But if you see, like, 10-4 suited, by all means, fire away. And uh, if you see a guy's three-betting a lot, you have to be prepared for that. So if you have, like, just the bare ace blockers, uh, make sure you can four-bet full because those hands play really poorly post-flop. One, because obviously you're dominated a lot of the time. Two, the ace-high boards are... Uh, the, the ace high boards like you're either like going to get one street and have the best hand or he's going to go for three streets and you have the worst hands and having an ace post flop bluffing is really bad because you're blocking all the ace x combinations that missed they're going to be bet folding which make up the majority of his bet folding range so it's really hard to bluff with an ace in your hand so turn those into like four bet bluffs and if you have like suited connectors you should be flatting them more. And if you see that guy's C-bet is really high, you should be coming over the top on the flop or the turn a lot more. And, yeah, good luck to you, Perkins. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next question is from Nicholas Galtos, and he posted this on the Facebook group. I must apologize. He posted it on February 14th, like Valentine's Day, and I forgot to copy and paste it, so I just got it today. Um, so I didn't forget about you. I just forgot about you the last time. <laughs> just that um, one time. Yeah, just that one time. I remembered you again. So he says uh, almost no one explains bet sizing in any poker training. Nope. So what what would Alex's key thoughts on bet sizing related to the changes in opening bet sizes in tournaments, continuation bet sizes in different positions, three bet sizing versus one, two or more players? Uh, the progression in sizing from flop to turn, uh, river, depending on goals, etc. I feel like you wrote these questions today, Barry, to build my confidence back up, because this is all stuff I've worked on and, like, slaved on uh, at my no, computer. No, this guy, this guy posted in the Facebook group, uh, and in the uh, facebook.com slash group slash one hour, if you want to join the group for free and post questions for Alex, you can do that as well. But I looked at it today, and I think you'd reply to by posting a link about percentages and something, but um, I thought I would ask the question for him on, on the yeah, show. Yeah, it's a great um, question. Sure. I, lo yeah. I love how you forgot him for Valentine's Day. Yeah, I forgot him on Valentine's <laughs> because he posted on Valentine's Day. I mean, what sick fuck posts on Valentine's Day? <laughs> <laughs> what a monster! <laughs> that was... Uh, uh, by the way, Fort Worth, Texas for Valentine's Day, really, really fun. If you ever... Fort Worth, Texas is not like the city you'd like expect to be like, uh, you know, you would like visit voluntarily because there's not a whole hell of a lot going on. But man, that little like square they have there is like just, I don't know, like old South relaxed, like chill. If you're ever in the area, guys, by the way, and they have they had a lot of really good like Southern cooking restaurants, which is why I went to Cheesecake Factory, which is the most like, for, well, I tried to get a reservation. I tried to get a reservation for Valentine's Day, like two weeks in advance, Barry. Impossible. 
in this yeah. area. Impossible. I was like, really? And, you know, usually there's like one or two cancellations and you just have to go at like kind of a goofy hour. But like, no way. But anyway, uh, for bet sizing, uh, I would check out this article. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's the one I posted. The article is called It's Called No Limit for a Reason uh, in Bluff Magazine. Just Google that. And that's honestly a lot of stuff. Uh, once I started getting into like bet sizing theory, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I made a weird noise. Uh, it, oh, th- I get a lot of close encounters of the third kind noises on my head. Yeah. <laughs> that's Twilight Zone. That's Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone is dope. I just started watching uh, it. I love uh, to go off on a tangent again yeah. just momentarily. We'll bring, I, I watched um, on the horror channel in the UK on cable. I like series like TiVo record like Twilight Zone. And it's all the 1980s ones. And I remember watching them in like the early oh, 90s. Right. They got like rerun. And they were just amazing. The one when the the woman digs up this thing in her garden, and when she says, like, shut up, she screams, shut up, everything stops. <sighs> like, our kids, the whole world stops, and she can just walk around herself. Oh, that's right. And then it's like, it's like sort of cold water, like between Russia and the nuclear bomb gets launched, and she, like, sees it in the air, like, on the news, and shouts, like, shut up, and it stops, you know, and, like, the nuclear warhead stopped in the sky and the world stopped and she's just walking around on her own. So it's just creepy. It's weird. It's, it's really, like, I love some of those shows were excellent. I cannot tell you all my favorite twilight zone episode and y'all should, y'all should go three minutes ahead if you don't want to hear a spoiler. Okay. But the show's literally been on for 60 fucking years. So you should probably, <laughs> probably should have yeah. seen it by now. Yeah. So, so, so this, so this, Ooh, Ooh, I hear my. I hear my. Yeah, two seconds. I just uh, the twilight zone happened. I pulled. I pulled out my headphones. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay, okay. But uh, so uh, a guy, he's like, a, he's a real grifter. He loves to gamble. He li- loves to smoke cigarettes, drink, right? Always loves to gamble, but he can't. You know, just doesn't have the money to get or whatever. Loves poker, right? Obviously, it's a poker one. But uh, anyway. So uh, he dies and goes to heaven, right? And all of a sudden, every time he sits at the poker table, uh, he just wins all the time. He's just winning everything, right? And then, like, any woman he goes after, he gets, right? And, you know, he's always got, always got the best liquor. He's always drinking the finest cigars. And then, like, one day, you know, he's just he's kind of bored with it, right? Like, the cigars don't taste like the first time. You know, the Hennessy doesn't taste as good as it used to. It's kind of boring. He doesn't have the chase, you know, with the women. And then, like, he, you know, it's, it's like he's winning everything at poker, but he's got everything, right? So it doesn't yeah. really mean anything. So he doesn't really like any of this stuff. So he, look, he looks to one of the angels and he says, hey, uh, you know, I want to go to hell for a little while just to see what it's like. You know, am I, am I allowed to do that? you know, in heaven and like, you know, take a look and the angel looks at him really confused and he goes, but sir, you are in hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that one, like when I was a kid, just like my head exploded. I was like, yeah. this is the one. This is the- That's creepy. It's really know? creepy. Well, and then like, yeah. dude, when I would go to these like casinos, when I was like, Cause you, let's be honest, you were probably out your face as well. When you were <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> really high. <laughs> like, yeah. not going to lie. That just 
someone says something like that to you, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's like the world. And, but, dude, like, the creepy thing was the way it looked in that episode, like, I would go to, like, these – well, like, we would go to Macau and, like – you know, somebody told me, like a, Chi- a Chinese guy told me, he was like, you know, literally when you take the boat to Macau, you are sailing over thousands and thousands of dead Chinese who tried to swim there. So, you know, they could get a job where they weren't breathing in noxious fumes while they were deconstructing an iPhone. You know, they could just get a job like selling like, uh, you know, cookies. And, uh, yeah. You know, they literally tried to swim the 16 miles or whatever it is to get there. You know what I mean? And normally it was like 70, 80 percent of them died or whatever it was. Right. And you're just sailing over all those bodies. And then you walk into the the room and nobody's smiling and like the cigarette smoke is hanging. And even like the guy who looks like he's winning is real fat and like sweating all the way down. And the women are kind of like pushing him away as he like grabs. him. I was like, dude, it's hell. We're here. <laughs> we found it. You know what I mean? And it's funny because when you play poker at home, it's like, God, it's like chess. You know what I mean? It's like so fun. And if you play poker in like a safe environment, it's like it's so fun. It's chess, but it's such a wide range. That's why I love it. Now let's talk about bet sizing, just like China. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, I like these tangential podcasts a little more. Yeah, you need it. You, you need, need it. it. You need it. I mean, yeah, yeah you know. I don't really have friends who understand me when I go off on these tangents here in Costa Rica. They're just like, what does that word mean? What does that word mean? I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck it. Like, you know what I mean? But uh, bet sizing, okay, here's the, here's the thing you need to remember. Uh, the, remember this formula. And remember, if you don't know this formula, it's okay because I've talked to guys who've made $5 million in poker and they didn't know this. But your bet size – divided by the amount of money you're going to win. This tells you how often your bet needs to work as a complete bluff. As in the dealer folded your hand, but nobody noticed, and you're betting, and the second somebody calls or does anything, the dealer goes, you do not have a hand. The hand is over. That is what that number means. So if you bet fold aces, and it still works more than this amount of time, you're still making money, and if you bet fold and there's no, you have no cards, but they still fold more than this, you're making money. This is where the money is made in poker because obviously when no one sees the hands, it, nobody, you don't need a hand to win. This is what makes it different than casino games. And if you don't know what these numbers meant, if you didn't know what your bets needed to mean, remember the Bellagio founds were not built because those guys did not know what every bet in that casino had to pay off. Remember that you want to build your own home. You got to know what each bet means. And the way you do that is bet X amount divided by Y, which is the entire pot equals the percentage. So some basic ones to memorize are if you bet half the size of the pot, you, your bet needs to work 33% of the time. Now, a lot of people go, well, why isn't it 50% of the time? Because uh, you are betting one unit uh, to win two units. So you would do one over three equals 33% because you get that one unit back when your bet succeeds. So it should go into your earnings column, right? Now, if you bet the size of the pot, one unit to win one unit, it needs to work 50% of the time. 
Now, here's the one that really surprises a lot of people. If you bet two times the size of the pot, you guys are probably seeing the pattern. But if you saw somebody bet two times the size of the pot in a cash game on the river, right, you probably would go, this needs to work 70, 80 percent of the time. That's not true. It needs to work 66 percent of the time. Okay, so this is why if you ever watch Isildur play at some point during the hand, he's probably going to overbet. And if you watch Phil Ivey play high stakes, that's why, too. And it's a really good reason. If you bet 1.5 times the size of the pot or let's even do more, two times the size of the pot, really huge amount. You know, the guy across the table from you, if he's not defending one hand out of three, he is losing money because then he is folding more than 66% of the time. Now, you should probably play this back because a lot of people don't catch that. Whatever is the remainder is what they need to defend with. So if you're, when you make a half pot size bet, your opponent needs to defend two-thirds of the time. This is why the half pot is so popular. Even if it only succeeds 40% of the time, in the majority of the time your bet is not succeeding, you are still clearing a profit. It's really important to understand what each bet sizing does for you. Because there's a lot of times, like when I barrel the turn with a donk bet with a draw, my bet with all the combined equity and everything needs to work literally like 14% of the time, right? So if I, get, if I get a fold two times out of 10, I am printing money on top of money, right? That still means eight times out of 10, my bet does not succeed. Now, if you, we were a child and we touched a hot stove that was burning 80% of the time and we kept touching it, we would be dead. So this is not normal for human beings. But in poker, we have to kind of override that uh, programming. We need to think about what our bet is trying to do. And as far as bet sizing, always ask yourself in another uh, homework piece for you guys to check out, uh, be your own leadership on pocket fives. Ask yourself what your, what your bets are trying to do. If you're betting without a hand, you're betting as a bluff. Ask yourself, what hands are you hoping to fold out? A lot of people, is it working, Barry? I hear a lot, I hear a lot of uh, noises. No, it's working. Oh, okay, it's working. okay, cool, yeah. cool. It's uh, I'm one of those like, uh, I'm one of those like artistes, man. Don't make noises during my monologue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't you do it? But uh, no, like if you're uh, if you're betting as a bluff, like one example I always give is like a lot of new guys don't understand why do you pros like when you're in position bet like one third the pot uh, when the board is like ace high and dry, right? And by the way, there's an article called Ace High and Dry on Bluff if you want to look more into this. And uh, nice. yeah, it's like, <laughs> by the way, none of these articles have any of my advertisements at the end. It's like, I probably could like call Bluff and be a bitch and like be like, put it down there, right? But like, I don't do it. So it doesn't do anything for me. It's just for you guys, right? But let's say the board comes like Ace Five Five Rainbow, right? Well, ask yourself, well, I'm betting as a bluff here with my 7-8 suited, no backdoor draw, anything. Uh, what, well, we have a backdoor stray draw, but whatever. Uh, what, what am I hoping to fold out? And if you think about those hands, king-queen, king-jack, 10-9, queen-jack, 10-9, hands that have a real equity share in this pot uh, that we would like to fold out, uh, you think about those hands, they don't have a backdoor draw, uh, to, I mean, they don't have a flush draw, they don't have a straight draw, they don't have overcards, they don't have anything. They're going to fold to any old bet, right? Now, if you're betting, you know, 
and you're trying to fold out top pair, you're probably going to have to put a little more pressure. And uh, if you're betting for value, you got to ask yourself, what do I expect to call me? There's a lot of times I see guys like, well, I had quads, so I bet two-thirds of the pot. I'm like, what are you talking about? The only thing the guy could have is third pair. He's not going to call two-thirds pot. Not this guy. He's a total nit. And they go, oh, yeah, you're right. And the only time you're not betting for value or a bluff that's, like, really easy to describe there's also like you're planning something on future streets. Like the guy's probably not going to fold here, but he'll fold on future streets if we're representing a certain range. But the other time is like when you're cashing out your equity, right? Let's say you have, you know, let's say you have pocket threes and the board is like 10, five, six. Now, if you bet, you're not probably getting called. You're probably not getting called by twos or ace high that often. But a hand like queen jack, king jack here, ace high has a significant or equity portion in this pot. And if you check back, it's going to be really hard to realize your equity. So you bet bet to cash out your equity. Now, that's about as much bet sizing theory as I can get it. And remember that over bet is like king when you play cash. It is. You find out who reacts poorly to it, who react, you know, in nine times out of 10 in uh, tournaments, people do not call the overbet. They just won't do it. I mean, this is honestly something I shouldn't say, but like they just will not call. Like, because if, they, is, if it, sorry, it's, is that because it's usually, well, when I go back to when I played online, if someone like jams, you know, the pots like in a tournament like 3,000 and someone just like throws their stack in 7k you know all in it's usually the nuts turned over exactly yeah yeah and it's usually no that's nine well i mean you got to remember everybody here most poker players do not study they don't look at the theory of everything they just go off of experience and if they grew up seeing only that or like every time somebody check overbed jams the flop with me and there's a flush draw out there in high stakes it's a set it's always a set. It's like I'm trying to make it look like a flush draw, right? And, yeah, uh, yeah you know, you, get, uh, you finally get a condition to that, right? And the thing is, if they call an all-in, that's an overbet. They don't look stupid because, oh, you know, whatever. I thought he was do- on a desperate bluff. But if they call, like, you overbet the size of the pot, right? And uh, they call with, like, third pair and they're wrong. They feel like an idiot, right? And most poker players are just kind of playing to not look like an idiot, that's they're not really playing for money because if you are playing for money, you're going to do a lot of stuff that looks really goofy to somebody who doesn't know as much. Okay. And, uh, you usually want to put yourself in a spot where you're the idiot. Uh, your bet is idiotic so they can fold to it. Right. And then if they, uh, you know, like one over bet spot I do is like, let's say the board comes like King two, two rainbow. And like, I have a guy who, is a really good player, but let's say he C-bets 2x into like 4x, right? I Sometimes I make it 8x there live if nobody knows who I am because now I've just bet, okay, I, I've bet like one point, uh, I, okay, that was a hard one to do. I shouldn't have done that one, but, you know, <laughs> eight units to win 14 units. So my bet's going to need to work like 54% of the time, 56, but they might fold King Jack now. You know what I mean? And then when they, but you're the idiot. You're the idiot because you overplayed your hand and you're like, oh God, you know, after they fold, just go king, queen. I didn't want you to suck out with your ace, right? Or some stupid thing like that. Then they get to go on feeling good about themselves and you get to keep stacking money. Read an article. It's called playing people 
on bluff. It's all about this. But yeah, it's a, it's a, I didn't like that. I didn't think of it as plain people. I didn't like their name for it. It's kind of like, uh, you know what I mean? It's just kind of setting up an image yeah. or whatever. Yeah, you're th- playing people, like maybe reading people would have been better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of people just don't want to look stupid. I mean, that's very human nature. Yeah. I mean, even I mean, even if I know the bluff is like profitable beyond profitable beyond profitable, I don't like having to show Jack High on day three of a tournament for all my chips. It doesn't feel good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I mean, there's just a lot of people that can't take the pain are the, oh, man, did you see what Alex flipped out with? <laughs> Shit like that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Which they do to everybody. It's not for just me. They do that to anybody who does. I mean, I still have guys come up to me about, like, man, you had a, you had a real breakdown in that tournament. You're like, yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what, why do you catalog these? I don't even remember that. Like, what, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, a, oh, Mike Manasel blow up. Like, <laughs> but anyway. But it's like live. When I used to play live, like, at the break, it used to be like a gathering people, and people would come up to you and be like, what did, you, what did you do that for? Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck off. Man. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the worst was in the Irish Poker Open, people could, like, bet on poker players, right? So I was, like, one of the chip leaders. I'm, like, 19. I have no idea what I'm doing, right? And uh, I'm, like, one of the chip leaders on, like, a day three or a day four, right? And all the Irish just see a Fitzgerald with the chip lead, right? And they're like, oh, I'm going to put a few on him, right? So I... I, I'm not shitting you. I raise call with 14 big blinds, right? With eights. It is my first hand at a new table. I raise, a guy jams, I call with eights, the guy has kings, I shake his hand, I leave. 30 people, I counted. I was just having a beer, not even at the bar, I was in a booth, at a restaurant, in the back, 31 people came up to me to ask, what the fuck were you doing? You know, sometimes together. And it, I was like, and, and then I said something. I will remember this till the day I die. I, it was 2007, and I said, you could shove eights and turn a profit there. And everybody went, oh, my God, that is so bad. Even a few, even a few guys who were like the – I actually was the number one online player at that time. What, what told me that was an idiotic play. There's no way that could turn a profit. He said that. And then, you know, when you try to get these people, like you bring it up as a joke, like a year later, it's like, okay, you're giving me a hard time now, but you were giving me a hard time a year ago about something yeah. that's really commonplace. They're like, I don't remember that. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, it's just straight up denial. It's like, uh, yeah. I'm in a bad fucking mood today. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, well there's, Oh no. And you go, no, you see, Eh, I, I've been dealing with a lot of poker player bullshit the last few days. You know what I mean? A lot of people like you got to do more for me, man. And it's like, <sighs> like, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's one of those things. It's like one of those, like, maybe I should just go back on tour. You know what I mean? You know, fuck, fuck doing all this. Like I'll do the podcast. This is fun. I love all the people who do the podcast, but it's like, fuck it, man. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to do that or I don't have to do this. It's like, I don't need to help you guys like manage your books. I don't have to talk to your poker players. You know what I mean? It's like, and then, yeah, it's a, I don't know. Like poker players come in a very polarizing range. They're either like the greatest people you've ever met in your life would not for the flap of a hummingbird, hummingbird's wing time, think about screwing you always there for you. Great people are like the fans. Like honestly, fans are like 
the reason I'm so motivated because like you guys really communicate to me like how cool it is what I get to do. And it's a reminder. Yeah. Like people don't get to play Sundays. People, I should really, I can't tell you how many, the ones that drive me nuts are the pros that are like, Oh fuck Sundays coming up. It's like, dude, you get to gamble for hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's not even your money. You know what I mean? You just get to play. You're playing a game for a living. Why do you have to, you know, bring all that negative shit into your life? And there's like, you know, and you talk to the guys like at these tournaments, there's always a guy who listens to the podcast that like comes up. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh man, you know, it's so cool what you get to do. And it's like, I work at a, you know, I work at an office and like, I really don't have, you know, it's just really menial work. And for six, eight hours a day, you know, I listen to podcasts and some of them are funny, but you guys really motivate me, you know, and like Barry's got the angle. You don't have to play poker to be successful. And it's like, because you, you know, you come off really well put together and everything. And then I tell you, you don't have to be like, you know, you don't have to be a genius to be good at poker. You just have to work hard. And it's like, it gives those people hope and they like send it back to you. You know what I mean? They're yeah, like, yo man, yeah. I'm rooting for you. And I'm like, oh man, if somebody's rooting for me in this, I should really get my shit together. You know what I mean? And then I bust out in some horrific way and I'm like, yo man, it's cool. Like, it's like, you know, I'm here playing poker. I'm playing cards in Vegas. It's air conditioned. We got, you know what I mean? Like every, everybody's just having a good time. I got to meet some interesting people today. It's all good, man. You know what I mean? I feed off of that. I love that. But you poker players, you hipsters, you're all hipsters. A lot of y'all are hipsters. You know, the whole like, uh, oh, man, I know better than you. That's, uh, it's like this defense mechanism. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, you know, and I don't care about it. Like, they can all do la-di-da, but like, you know, I got... Ooh, I got a few people getting up in my face the last few days. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I did this stupid thing where it's like, I don't just like do a well, a well-timed like, all right, shut up. Here's how it is. I just was like, well, man, you know, then it like, oh, it all stoked up together along with some other stuff. But man, I feel cleansed now. I feel cleansed of my sins now. Thanks to the one outer confessional, man. I thank, I thank you very much, Priest Barry. I'll do a couple of Hail Marys, you know what I'm saying? Uh, a couple of nine Hail Hail Marys. It's good. Okay, the last question's cool. This kind of like is a good one to finish on for this show. And just what you've said, like I got this question during the week emailed to me. And it just makes me like, I'm glad I still do the podcast and keep it going with yourself because this guy's emailed from Vietnam <laughs> and uh, he's not a Vietnam native, but it's cool. He's got, uh, hi guys, I'm an online entrepreneur and finance guy currently playing $5 to $25 stakes on Full Tilt and Stars. I aspire to play high stakes by this autumn. I really enjoy studying poker, spending actually more time on it than playing, spending hours with Flopzilla, Cardrunner's EV calculator, and watching pros videos, etc. Is there a pitfall that I must be aware of here? Can it be disadvantageous at some point to study more than playing? I always make sure, though, to integrate one key concept every two weeks into my game. Also, what can bring me to the top level by this autumn except study, study, study? Can you line up a meaningful path to get there slash shortcut? Thanks a lot and greetings from Vietnam. Uh, Swiss Dollars is his name. 
Oh, yeah, I know this dude. He was in my Twitch stream. Hey, man, thank you. All right. Thank you for showing up, man, and thank you for subscribing for the Twitch stream. I haven't dropped that this whole time. Twitch.tv slash The Assassinato. Watch me play for free. Listen to me teach for free. You guys, uh, you, you guys wanted it. We brought it. You know what I mean? And you can look underneath. Even when I'm not broadcasting, you know, go there and, like, hit the favorite button, and then you'll get a note whenever I'm broadcasting. And uh, underneath the stream, there's like everything we have going on, all the free articles, free podcasts, and then, uh, you know, some stuff you can actually pay for if you are so inclined. But, uh, well, uh, the pitfall, I talked about, it, this has come up a lot lately, and it's, uh, I don't know, people have just started proposing to me like studying too much can be bad, which uh, I, I said... I, I've been hearing a lot after that I did my card runners video on how to study. And I talked about the stupid ways some people study, which is, uh, I, I, I said it, it, they're quoting me on Twitter. I didn't think this was that smart, but I was like, hand history reviews are a lot like power metal to me. They're very masturbatory. It's just like, you know, long solos, who's cool. And, uh, a lot of times hand history reviews with your friends are, you know, it, it's a lot of like, I feel this and this is good. Well, I feel it's like, well, that doesn't do shit for me. You know what I mean? Prove it to me. And the number of guys who, because there's a lot of guys who run good for two years. And then they're like, uh, you know, well, you got to listen to me because I'm, you know, I've made X amount this year. And it's like, dude, if I did, I did that when I, it was 2006. And by the time it was 2008, none of you guys were in there and I still had to pay my rent. You just went back to your dad's house in uh, the Hamptons. You know what I mean? I didn't have that. So I, I'm sorry. I don't have that luxury. Prove it to me. And then going on that route, I started finding guys who, 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 the, like the tree winds and the cool south that were like, you know what I mean? Like uh, the Thomas Marchese's or however you pronounce it, like these guys could prove what they were talking about. And it's like, this is potent. So yeah. the, what, the trap you can get into is just uh, mental masturbation. Like I'm a great player. Look how I could have done this. Or another form of masturbation, in my opinion, is the whole like, oh, God, look how bad I did this, or oh, okay, look how bad I did this. It's one of those, it's okay I made the mistake because I'm beating myself up about it now. That's a, mm -hmm. when somebody says... It's like a badge of honor or something. Exactly. Hey, that. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like, uh, remember we talked about like a hundred podcasts ago. It was like exhaustion is not a status symbol. It's yeah. a, that kind of, that was one of those things that like changed my life. And now to this day, People like give me a way you all, you all can tell from this podcast. I I'm a world-class egotistical prick, but like people give me a real, like they give me a lot of leeway in Costa Rica because every time they go, you know, actually I learned this from Co Costa Ricans when the nicest people here, when you go, how are you doing? They're like, I'm doing great. Thank God. You know, like everything's going good, man. And like, when those people actually have a problem, you respond to it because it's like, oh, this guy doesn't just burden me with his shit every day. You know what I mean? It's like this guy actually is trying to push through it. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing with this. Like if you're just beating yourself up, yeah, it's like, oh, it's a badge of honor. It's okay. But if you're not doing – these are all opportunities. You know what I mean? It was Henry Ford, uh, his first two companies busted. Uh, 
whatever his name, Honda, got wasn't they said he wasn't going to be a part of Toyota. Wow, I butchered that one. Uh, (laughs) Abraham Lincoln like had a nervous breakdown. Uh, Was it uh, his uh, his sweetheart died? He like lost every bid for office. Up in, he like lost like eighty percent of his bids for office up until he what got the presidency. So like really a lot of like a lot of failures. Someone far more intelligent said, uh, you know, like failures are an opportunity to start again with like better planning. And I mean, I think this goes for relationships. I think this goes for everything, you know. And if you just yeah. look at it like, okay, this didn't go well. Why didn't it go well? You know, not like, oh, I'm so bad. You know, it's like, okay, uh, uh, thank you, dude. Like, I, I'm, I'm really glad you're going to start whipping yourself or whatever it is. But, like, you know, what can you do differently next time? And don't trust anybody. Don't trust me. Do not trust whoever's, like, the hot shit poker player now. And I'll tell you the truth. A lot of the guys you think are, like, hot shit but don't, like, come out and play that much – there's a very good reason for that. They're trying to protect something that's not really there anymore. And, you know, it, I, I'm pretty lucky. I get to see a lot of these guys' finances and stuff. But, and obviously, I'd never talk about it. But it's like a lot of these guys are just spouting off. You know what I mean? It's a real defense technique. And uh, you need to, like, you want to make conclusions. Like, here's what – I'll give you an example of, like, bad studying – I'll give you a lot of examples of bad studying, and then I'll show you a good study. And by the way, actually, this is amazing. Go to Pocket Fives TV, and there's a free video of me like doing a study session, like a very simple example. I use some simpler examples. I try to show you guys how to use Card Runner ZV, Hold'em Resources, and a lot of stuff. And if you want to buy any of those, you know, write me at Assassin Auto Coaching. I can maybe get you a deal, or you can. Uh, you can buy it through the Twitch site and that kind of, that allows us to wet our beak. And uh, yeah, like, okay, bad studying would be watch the hand history. Should we have three bet here? I feel like, yeah, okay, shut up. Not good enough. Okay. Should we have three bet here? Now, okay, bad study. Okay, we do the math X divided by Y. It needs to work this percentage of the time. Uh, his full to three bet is this. Not good enough, okay? Bad study. We look at his hands. We look at his percentage of uh, hands uh, that he opens. We, uh, we compose a range in Flopzilla, and we go, our bet needs to work this percentage of the time, so he needs to be defending this many combinations out of his opening combinations, and we, uh, we do the range we think he's forebetting. Okay, did we pass the point where we're making it profitable? Still not good enough, okay? This is still not good enough. Whatever your answer is, I don't care because you just got the answer for that one situation. It's not good enough, okay? Now you do it with Card Runner ZV. You do all the same Flopzilla analyses, but it puts, puts it together mathematically and it shows your profit. It, was it a profitable play? Was it not? Still not good enough. What you want to do is play with the Cardrunner ZV and Flopzilla. Actually, Cardrunner ZV is the fastest way to do this. And you play with it till you get the break-even point, okay? You find the break-even point. If he is opening this many hands and he is forebetting even his toughest range, this is the point 
this is the numbers where I can three bet close uh, this ace blocker, right? This is the point. And then you memorize that for the rest of your life, okay? So it's like uh, I could three bet, and it was like if it was 35, if he's opening 35% or higher, there's pretty much no four betting range he can compose that's profitable. 30%, 33% or lower, it's always going to be tough. So for the rest of my life, if I see that open from a good player from the cutoff, and I have this blocker, I'm going to three bet that. Bam, you have a rule, and you put it in a uh, Microsoft Word document. You write it. You write it in all bold. You use locks. Do whatever you have to do to memorize it. I put a lot of bad words in my stuff. I put a lot of exclamation points in stuff. I print it out. I put it next to my computer. And then you memorize it for the rest of your life. And then you look like a genius because you know this spot better than anyone when literally you spent 15 minutes finding the answer. But if you were just doing the other processes, whatever, uh, that I just described, you could do a million of them and only eventually will you get the answer. Or you need to put more, put more in the hours. Don't just put more hours in. Don't fool yourself into thinking you're working hard when you're really just using exhaustion as a status symbol. Drop the mic. <laughs> okay, Doc. Well, we hope that's answered your question. And if anybody wants to send more questions in, then do remember to send them to questions at com or post them on the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. And you can also tweet them to myself, at oneouter.com, at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. Um, Alex, how can people get in touch with you, details of your sites, etc.? Yeah, uh, check out, if you want to sign up for my newsletter and get free, uh, the puppies are wailing. Can you hear that? Do you know what's cool? It's like they know when it's the end. You, you, you yeah. must, the way we talk must change something, like the vibration of the voice. <laughs> yeah. They pick it up. Because honestly, the last few shows, near the end of the show, they start whining and like pining. Yeah, they it's do. Weird. They're like, come on, man. Or they sense that you're ready to like be with them. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, they really do. They like really, yeah. get, they really catch it. It's weird. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely, it's, it's crazy what dogs pick up. But okay, uh, if you want to sign up for my newsletter and get uh, uh, my articles before everybody else, uh, go to PokerHeadRush.com and put in your email address to the right. And uh, also PokerHeadRush.com is where we have a lot of the fun stuff, like really exclusive articles, uh, you know, uh, like all the Twitch stream information and uh, interviews, and also my buddy Jack Welch, who's an old sage likes to write there from time to time. And there's fun stuff like uh, rap battles and, you know, me ranting about like Chinese fiction and like movies and TV series and other stuff I probably shouldn't be wasting my time on. And uh, not the actual media my, itself, but writing reviews about it. And check twitch.tv slash the assassinato, uh, you know, favorite it. And uh, you can see me when I'm playing live, when I'm doing hand history reviews, when we're doing interviews, when we're doing all that stuff. I bring in guest coaches. I bring in a lot of people. We're, gonna, we're about to start Twitch streaming a lot more, trying to, like, rearrange because, I, I mean, honestly, it's the future, right? And if you, you want to support this podcast, just do me a favor and go underneath that Twitch stream and just take a look at the things we have going on. And if anything interests you and you buy any of that, that pays – you're supporting all my employees – you're, you're uh, 
you're supporting the stupid stipend that Barry makes me pay him. And uh, <laughs> you're uh, – no, but I mean you're supporting – like it is a lot of server space and it is a lot of uh, – it, it, it is a lot to like uh, keep all this stuff going, you know what I mean? And it's one of those things, you know, if the private sector pays more, that's what I have to focus on. But if you guys just like, you know, you're like, hey, I don't want to get like uh, – a cup of coffee. I'm going to subscribe to the stream for 4.99. If enough of you guys do that, I can be on like every day. Or if enough of you guys go, "Hey, I want like downloadable permanent copies of like the full tilt run and all that." You know, you can uh you can uh buy that for like 19.99. You know, just write us at assassinatocoaching@gmail.com for the details and you know, that all keeps everything going, you know what I mean? And we get to do a lot more of this content for a lot more people for a lot cheaper than if you had to hire somebody privately. And then uh, also card runners promo. A lot of you guys have signed up for card runners and obviously that makes card runners very happy, which makes me really happy. So, you know, God bless you people. I told them, you know, I said, give these guys, I said, give these guys a discount. They're loyal. They'll sign up. And they told me a lot of guys, have, I'm not making this up, a lot of guys have said that and it doesn't happen, right? I was like, take a chance on my guys. I promise you they're going to do it. And you guys came out in droves. You, you didn't make me look like an idiot. So thank you very much. That was really cool. And if you guys, you know, that's where we have like our most potent training videos. Those are like concept videos, PowerPoints, hand histories, real cultivated good stuff. And my boy Ape Styles is on there and there's another 2,000 videos uh, on there and it's $15 a month for the first two months and $30 a month after that with promo code all capitals free month. And uh, yeah, write me if you want to know, learn about coaching or anything at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com and uh, follow me on Twitter at the assassinato. And uh, yeah, you know, look, at, look out for that rap battle. Uh, watch that rap battle about a hundred times. Give me a lot of views, you know, and then hopefully I can go to other states and tell people why they suck. Is is it on yet? It's not on yet. They got uh, Norm, you got to give us the link for that. Once so I, I get posted in the group and stuff. Once yeah. I get, I'm really interested to see how it's gonna look because it was like, it was definitely different. Like you could tell, like uh, guerrilla style. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was kind of, you know, it it was like back. It was like back when you used to watch old rap battles, you know what I mean? It was like all everybody coming together and kind of I was about to say it's filmed like Catch a Predator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Black and white grainy security oh, footage. The microwave. <laughs> yeah, but it, it should be cool. I mean it's like uh nobody judges battles anymore because like rappers are obviously trying to promote their stuff and they're not really gonna promote a battle they lost, but we got it we got it judged and you know, I kinda I came in with the more like white, like joke style and like, you know, but like really gave it like really went hard on the kid a lot of the time. And he brought more of that street shit where he's from. So it was like a real it was like a real different clash of styles. And it was the first like uh, that was their first like. I think that was their first all white battle and that was their first like all white main event (laughs) at the same time. So in like the crowd really like. You know, usually the crowd's on the side of the hometown kid a lot, but, like, they were really, like, having fun with me. You know what I mean? They were, like, really supportive. It's really cool. So, you know, watch my watch my Twitter because once that comes out, you're not going to hear about anything else. And, yep, all right. I think we're good. I look, I look, look forward to seeing it. I'll just add one more thing. Alex has mentioned it in previous shows. 
Um, if you are listening to this podcast and you do enjoy it, just like tell a few friends in person or whatever, or tweet it if that's your thing, or share it on Facebook and that, because the, our listener numbers are going up with each show, and if you keep doing that and we build up more momentum, and then it helps us for our advertisers for americascardroom.com, they can see things, you know, coming from the site, etc. And it all multiplies and, like, snowballs. And as Alex says, it keeps it going, like, on a weekly basis. So uh, even if you don't, you know, buy a thing, just even sharing it and stuff helps out as well. So spread spread the one out or gospel. Uh, that, helps all the, that helps the cause as well. Spread the good word, the book of Barry. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> um, okay, well, until next time, thanks for listening and cheers. Cheers. <laughs>